Before we get started, a very quick introduction to our speaker today. Uh, Karthi is the Chief Product Officer at Experian, which is an ecosystem for makers. A technologist turned into multidisciplinary product designer and product educator focused on human cognition and behaviors. Her work focuses on designing meaningful systems with an emphasis on experience design. Before starting out in the education world, Karthi designed products like printers for Hewlett Packard, payment systems for State Farm Insurance, dashboards for World Bank, pocket PC applications for Microsoft, and a lot more. She's also had a seven-year stint of entrepreneurship, running a premium design consulting agency called Ogma. Kathy, that's a very interesting and inspiring journey you've led. We've been so excited to host the session, and we can't wait to hear more from you. Thank you. Thank you, Meher, and thank you so much. Sorry. It's so heartening to see a room full of women. And I, I, I never had an opportunity like this. And today it's very special for me. So let's dig in. I saw all your answers and I want to share my perspective. Typically, when we talk about design, it's a very deep field. It's a rabbit hole by itself. And now I combine product design business design, life design, and you know many more, which means there are many rabbit holes that we are going to talk about today. And Meher gave me 20 minutes to talk. So <laughs> let's see what we can cover. <laughs> but Kathy, before we get started and we get the questions in, I also want to engage you in a very quick game. This is just so that we break the ice with the members and you, and we get to know you a little yeah. better. Um, here's what you have to do. You have to say the first thing that comes to your mind when I ask you the following. So are okay. you all set? Yes. Okay, Quick. ready then. Um, the first one is a product design you'd give a 10 on 10. iMac. Thoughts on designing by template. They are crutches. Use it only when you really need them. <laughs> Your view on no code design. Sorry? Your view on no code design. Uh, there should be no design and there should be no code. It should just be problem solving. <laughs> Monogamy versus polygamy careers. Polygamous. I knew that one. <laughs> okay, lastly, what are your book recommendations on design for the newbies? Hmm. Um, typically, they will say Don Norman's Design of Everyday Things. Please don't read it. It's going to be very hard on you. I would say go ahead and pick up something around understanding the human system. So I would say more around behavioral science. Um, so I, there are some brilliant books. I can't say just one, but definitely start with thinking fast and slow. It, it changes the way you look at human beings. That's a very interesting uh, response there for someone with full design uh, background. But thank you for those very candid responses, Kathy. Um, we're now gonna get right into it. Today's huddle members will begin with Kathy spending the next 20 minutes sharing her thoughts on what defines design and how we can use it in not just product, but business and life as well. She's going to share a few frameworks to help us uh, apply this on our daily lives. This will then be followed by a Q&A, so please don't hold those questions back and start pouring them on the chat box. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, we have shared most of the questions with Karthi already, and we're going to mix them up with some unanswered questions from the chat box as we go along today. Members, I would also request you, uh, request you to put yourselves on mute so that we can have complete clarity over what Karthi is saying, and we're going to give you a chance to unmute and ask your questions as well. Over to you now, Karthi. 
Thank you so much, Meher. It's such a pleasure to be here with wonderful and lovely ladies uh, for the evening. So um, I am a, a designer and an entrepreneur, which means ROI is very, very important. So uh, whatever I'm going to share with you for 20 minutes, I want it you know, stay with you for your lifetime. And that's the new pair of eyes I wanted to deliver to you so that from tomorrow morning onwards, probably tonight onwards, everything that you see needs to be a little different in your view of the world. The world will not change, but you will change. And that's pretty much what I wanted to kind of uh, bring to you. So let's get started. And you shared your definitions uh, about design. And uh, here is something that I uh, wanted to uh, share with you on what comes to our mind typically when we think about design, something so spectacular. And how can we miss this when we talk about design, right? And all those wonderful products out there, oh, well-designed products, right? And now this is something that we cannot live without, right? And if you're a designer, probably you will always carry a cup of coffee with you and that too with that logo on it, isn't it? Um, funky hair, branded clothes, that's a designer. And you all think that this is how neat our desks are. And we get all our thoughts in the shower and bring up with that creative, brilliant ideas. And we are not satisfied with one thing, right? The same thing in different ways with a Dyson fan sitting on our desk and making sure that it looks very designerish, right? And if you really look at the words that come to our mind, it's creative, vanity, iconic, utilitarian, problem-solving, mind-blowing, delight, and all sort of things that you also expressed, problem-solving, experience, style, aesthetics, and all of that stuff. But do you know what the dictionary says about design? Yeah, let me flash that for you. That's what it says. And every time I read this, I go crazy. <laughs> and let's ask our Google, hey, what is design for you? And this is pretty much what it shows. But over a period of 20 years, two decades, I have developed a meta definition of my field design. And here is how the definition goes. Design is a process of incidental choice making. There are no accidents when you do design, which means, in other words, you're consciously choosing what the final outcome must be, which means you have selected it in, inside you and then you are giving it a shape and form. In other words, everything can be designed because it's a choice that we are making. In other words, we can say either it is designed or not. So look at everything around you and ask, is it designed or not? And, and that should give you the greater answer. And this brought me to this concept of design X. X being anything, right? And when I just discovered this idea, I was kind of looking at what all can be designed. We can design products, design services, systems, communities, spaces, career, relationship, you, my friend, and everything is possible to be designed. And when I got this, this thought, like I was mind blown. I was not just limited to just designing products and services and pixels and those beautiful things that you see on screens. It's a lot more than that, which means that I felt like a superwoman, right? And today I wanna to share uh, this superpower with you. That's the whole idea. 
But you might have this question, hmm, but I'm not a designer, Karthi. You are one and you're talking about this, but I'm not a designer. Really? I want to ask, is it really true? Don't we all make choices in life? Huh? Starting from our photographs and how we look on things and ice creams and everything else in our life. Don't we make these choices? Right? Which means that it is A, B, C, D. What does that mean? Anybody can design. I was inspired by this program, Anybody Can Dance. And I thought, same thing applies to us as well. And I want to emphasize on this word, can, right? And you can design anything, whether it is business or product or life for that matter. And it is so much fun when the problem is wicked. You will keep hearing this word. It's a wicked problem to solve. So what does that really mean? A wicked problem means it has multiple layers, multiple variables, multiple facets, multiple dimensions. It's really, really complex, right? Don't you think life fits into that wickedness? Don't you think our world fits into that wickedness? Our business, our products, everything for that matter. And it is so much fun when such a wicked problem is presented to us. And I want to ask you, are you ready to power up uh, for your design superpowers inside you today? And if you are super new to design, I'll be super happy because it's a very fresh way of looking at design itself. All you need is just one framework, just one framework. And I want you to remember this, wherever you go and you're thinking about designing that, which means you're consciously making a choice. You just need to remember two circles, okay? And what are these two circles, Karthi? What are you talking about, right? Let's go with examples. Are you all Netflix users? Yeah, here is a product which gives you on-demand entertainment anytime, anywhere, any device. And I want you to imagine you as a part of all these examples. And when I use the, use the word man, please uh, look at it as Hugh man, okay? It's not the man man that we are talking about. I'm not a racist here, not to a bunch of lovely ladies like you, right? So look at the two circles and just, just look at Netflix, right? Here is a man, that's you, a human, and here is a machine, and you are looking at, you know, interacting with that machine, and you are getting that entertainment. And this man-machine interaction is nothing but product design. Now, this man, this human, need not do just Netflix. Hey, that is something newly released in other platforms, right? We do go and check out so many things. And that is you going to the market and figuring out a choice for you. And that is a man market interaction. And that is business design. Let's look at this. You, when you make you better, don't we do this? Yeah, when you make a choice to go ahead and make your life better, don't we do this? When you go ahead and make your careers awesome, right? It means you are interacting with you and that becomes your life design. And if you interact with another Leap Club member and make some significant progress, what happens? You are designing the communication, what you are sharing between each other, 
right? When you are talking and changing the world with your ideas and implanting that awareness into the, into the minds, smart minds that are listening, you're designing the influence. You're influencing their thoughts. You're changing. This is a man-men interaction. It's just plural, one to many, right? And when a bunch of us kind of interact with a bunch of us, that is what you do in a community like this. Of course, you're doing that in Leap Club, don't you? You have a small little group and you have another little group and you kind of share. This is what all of our societies are all about. That's community design. That's men-men interaction, which means if I just pull everything together, right? There's a man-man interaction. That's communication, man-machine. That's your product design, man, man and men, culture, business, community. The common denominator of all of this is that human, right? And that human, when it interacts with another human or another machine or another market or a bunch of you know, choices, basically, that is very interesting, isn't it? Now go back to the two circles, which means there's a human, and that can be X, Y, Z. And you can look at it in this perspective. Ask yourself, what is this human being? It could be your customer. It could be a stakeholder. It could be a spouse. It could be a child. It could be a partner. It could be a friend. It could be your fellow Leap Club member. Anybody for that matter, right? So just look at human beings overall. You will see that God has solved 50% of our problems. Because from what I know, right, what I checked, last 100 years, nothing changed. Believe me, next 100 years, nothing is going to change. Nothing changes in this human being. Same two eyes, one nose, one mouth, one brain, two hands. Same system, right? We think the same way. It has taken us so many years of probably billions of years of evolution for us to come here. Earth is quite slow, you know. It takes a lot of time to kind of make any changes to you. Just that we change things, but we don't change, right? So that's a good news for us because you just need to deal with 50% of this equation. You don't have to worry about the man because it is constant. The human being is constant here. And that is why probably we call it as human-centric domain agnostic. We are <laughs> selfish freaks, right? Everything that we want in this world should add to our well-being. Everything that we have done so far in this world, X, Y, Z, everything is done so that it adds to our life better. Look at all the human-centric. We don't call it as tiger-centric or a cat-centric design. We call it as human-centric because the basis is the human being. Now, here is a question for you. If I mark this as one and two, tell me, where will you start the process? Will you start at one or at two? I might not be able to see the chat. So I heard two. two. Yeah. One. We have a lot of ones coming in on the chat. Okay. One. All right. Mostly ones. And that is right. Because... It's all about us. It's all about the human in us. So the minute we understand and translate what this human being wants and make it 
and showcase that understanding to the human being. We won the game. Look at all your products. Members, can you please mute yourself through the session? No problem. Yeah. Yeah. And look at everything that is out there. It is always starting from a human being's needs and wants. And this is what we call as desirability. The minute we understand desirability, we take it and go give it a form and shape. And that is pretty much what is your feasibility, whether it is tech or manufacturing or space or products or systems or services, whatever. That's pretty much what you're doing, which means if this is understood, then 50% of our equation is handled. So today I want to give you some simple but profound ideas about this human being, which means the way you see a human, including yourself, will have a difference from tonight. And I want to share just three things with you, right? Are we ready? Let's go. There are some hard truths here, okay? First thing first, biologically speaking, all human beings are pleasure-seeking, pain-avoiding, energy-efficient creatures. You can look at every product out there that is doing very well. It will either be adding to the pleasure or removing the pain or will make the human being lazy and accomplished. That is the only way we will love it. Okay, look at all the distortions that we have, your fallacies, your, you know, <laughs> everything that we are calling is irrational. It's by design. You are made that way biologically because this three pound, like a, a kg and a half meat machine that you have inside your head called the brain is 2% of your body weight. And it takes about 25% of the total energy. The rest, 98% of your body gets 75%. Just imagine. That is why it's an energy zapping machine. And anytime it is going to ask for more energy, it shuts down. Haven't you seen on the nights that you cram, you want more sugar? You want to eat something? Keep snacking? Yeah? That's your brain doing it. And every time there is energy expenditure, it will say, mm -hmm, stop it. Don't think, don't study, don't do. And that's what we go through, energy efficiency. And that is why we have quick impulsive ways of deciding things because he's a good guy, he's a bad guy. That's awesome, this is not. Why are we so judgmental? That saves energy, that's why. We don't sit and decide whether this tiger will eat me or not. If you sat and decided, definitely it is going to eat you. This is what biology meant for us, right? So that's the first truth we should understand. So it's not uh, as if irrationality is a problem, cognitive biases are an issue, fallacies are a mistake. No, that is how you are surviving. That is how you and me are able to do what we are doing. And, and it is biologically right in many ways. The second big aspect that I want to share about a human being, sociologically speaking, we are social animals. Everybody told you this, but there is a simple nuance to this whole thing. There is an absolute self and there is a relative self, right? 
And absolute self means you thinking about you doing things for you. You comparing yourself to the next person and figuring out how am I doing? So we kind of go through in two parts where we compete with ourselves and that's an absolute path. We compete with somebody else and that's a relative path. And here comes the hard truth, my friends. Your environment always wins. You taking care of you becomes secondary. That's why we struggle. What will she think about me? What will they think about my idea? Things like that. What will they think is a big deal in your head because of this? Yeah. All right. The third truth, brutally speaking, right? We work only as a value exchange species, which means everything on this world that we do as transactions or fitment based, look at your employment, look at how you choose your friends, look at how you choose your life partners, look at how you choose everything in your life. It should always fit you. Mutually, that should give you value and you should give value. And that's how the whole damn thing works. The minute it is not a win-win equation, if there is a, a loss-win equation or a win-loss equation, it doesn't work. It really doesn't work. What we get doesn't fit our desirability. What we want doesn't fit their desirability. I want to talk to Elon Musk, yeah? But Elon Musk has no time for me. You see the point? Yeah? What we want is always two steps ahead of us or 20 steps ahead of us. We don't care about two steps behind us and 20 steps behind us. We don't. That's just being human. So these three things, when you're bringing it together, the way you look at yourself will start changing. You will have a lot of compassion for your fellow human beings and for yourself, right? So the deeper you understand this human, the better your design will be. Because remember, it starts from man and it goes to XYZ. So the more deeper you understand this, the better and better you get. So let me give you an example from Experian. I started experience saying that, let me change the world, raise the bar of creative problem solving. Let's make everybody designers and let's go and teach design to everybody. That's how we started, okay? And we said, we will choose design education. And I became a professor in NID. That's one of the best schools out there for design. And I went and you know, taught in MIT and all the brilliant business schools. And then we realized that those people don't need me. They already have professors. Who needs is the self-taught designers who are in the industry doing the work, but thinking twice about how are they really processing? I didn't go to design school. I don't know if I'm doing it right. And then we double click and said, okay, self-taught designer, you want to learn design, right? Let me teach you all concepts. They came back and told me, we don't care about competence. Who cares about all these you know, UX laws and other things? What we want is great career. Can I get into FANG? Can you help me get into FANG? Can you coach me so that I can do better? Can I do continuous learning? Which means everything that I thought about this person was wrong. Now think about 
this diagram and tell me what problems we should be solving. If I'm a, a brilliant businesswoman, I should be solving the career problem, isn't it? And then we went ahead and created some 30 plus experiments. And we have about 10 plus brands like spawning out of experience to solve the maker's ecosystem problem. That is possible only because we deeply understand our customers, their behaviors, their needs, their wants, and their affordability, right? Haven't you had an experience where it wasn't that great, but it was cheap, so you are okay. You're willing to, you know, let go. And that's pretty much how your customer thinks. And we have been able to go on this path all the way and make about probably um, four to five crores in revenue just by understanding this one bit about our customers, right? And this is where your product design, your business design can change the way the trajectory of your company completely, right? Now, let's talk about life design, Karthi herself. And that's my signature in Tamil, in case if you are not from this language. And if I look at my life, there are about five parts, your life as well. There are only five well-being that we care about. Uh, because it's murky, I'll just keep you separately. The other one is your health, your physical, mental well-being, your career well-being, your relationships and the well-being of that, finances, the relationships include your inner circle, outer circle, acquaintances, communities, everything for that matter, right? So I don't know if you go through this, but I definitely went through a midlife. And in 2018, I was turning 40 and I realized that hmm, I need to have a better life. The, the next decade should be awesome. So I started doing some things funky and started looking at as a designer, that's all I know. So let me go ahead and apply the design process on me, right? So I first started with some you know, experiments. I'll show you the visible parts, the invisible parts, we can definitely talk about it. The visible parts are definitely something like this. Yeah, I didn't stop there. I went ahead and did so much better over a period of time. And this was to figure out what is the best way to lose weight for a woman? When you're in perimenopause, when you are going through your estrogen, your, your hormone upheavals, the way your body reacts to weight is completely different. So what works for a man might not work for a woman. So I took literally four years to go ahead and figure this out. Finally, I have figured out a cognitive scientist lazy way of losing weight. And for that, I needed to do some five different experiments. I couldn't get guinea pigs, so I used myself to do the whole damn thing, right? So I changed myself completely as a person. And I went ahead and changed every part of my life, including my career. I could have been a consultant. I could have actually gone ahead and worked for some of these companies, but I started becoming a practitioner, teacher, a coach, a mentor, and I started giving lectures and bringing different aspects of design. It is not the theories, it's not the concepts, but how you really use it in the industry. Industry readiness is completely different from what you teach in college. So that's something that I started bringing in. Now I have students ranging from school all the way to executives. And this was a career that I never imagined. 
And I was just telling Meher that, uh, are you guys starting to go to office? We said, no, we built one. That's our home studio that we built and all partners, there are about three of us and we live in a place like that. And we designed every bit of it in such a way that we will never ever rent an office again. This is a decision that we have taken for career so that we will not have to think about it for the next probably two or three decades, right? And then I went ahead and built communities, public speaking. Um, I go ahead and consult on the product advisory aspects of it. So in a nutshell, this is my dashboard. And a lot of it changed after 2018, after I went ahead and did the life design aspects of it, right? A lot of, lot of women uh, kind of, you know, their, their career trajectory changes after they have a child. First, it changes when they get married and after they have a children. I have two handsome boys, 17 and 13. I am not giving up my career just because the next generation is growing and the previous generation is at home and I have to be sandwiched between the two. So this is an, a very ambitious way of looking at it. Can I go and explore all the interests that I have? So I have invested in probably seven startups and I go ahead and, and uh, run a full-fledged terrace garden at home. So all sort of things, right? And I even write these days. I mean, I never thought I could write and this was written just before making your slides for, <laughs> for tonight, right? And if you really look at Karthi in a nutshell, this is pretty much what it is. And this is a complex, um, you know, kind of unique, magnificent being. There is only one Karthi, which means there is only one Meher, only one Parul, one Zuhi. One is to 400 trillion is the ratio to find another you. So if we can pay attention to that, that limited special edition, which lives for maximum 100 years, that's pretty much what striked me. And I said, hmm, let's use design principles and make our life awesome, which means when you do that, you consciously make your life and everything around it in a way that is much more you know, awesome than what it is. The problem is it is very hard. All and equations are hard and is what makes us scarce as well and is what makes us that unique, special people. And that is why you should go ahead and design everything around you, not just your products, not just your services. Go ahead, take a look at your career. Go ahead, take a look at your relationship. Are you stuck there? Is it stopping you being the best of you? And that's where I wanted to conclude and summarize saying that from tonight, go ahead, think human first, think value and fitment, re-look at all your relationships, start and then learn on the go because you will never know everything before you start. Work with the human system, not against it. You cannot work with friction. You have to race with the tide. World is unfair and an unequal place. Just knowing this will liberate you. And the way you look at the world around you will completely change. So it's not just about your products and businesses. And, you know, it's a lot more than that, my friends. So if you, I know this is a very short period that we are talking tonight, but in case you want to keep in touch, here we go. 
And um, I know we will cover a lot of other things during questions. And uh, I hope this gave you a perspective towards the way you look at your life and gives you some ideas on how to rethink. With that, ready for questions. Thank you so much, Karthi. I think it was such a beautiful uh, 20, 25 minutes that we spent on this. And I think a great start to the session. Uh, like Ipsita said, that the presentation was visually translating your thoughts and speech into such beautiful slides. I think so much love for your presentation. A lot of questions on how you made this as well. Uh, we've got a very busy chat box. We've had a bunch of questions come in. Uh, what I would really wanted to start with was when you're talking about design thinking and design principle, how do we use that to find a purpose for all three aspects like we've spoken about brand life and uh, product as well? How do we kind of get started with that in some sense? I'll be very selfish. Start with you. Okay? Everything else can wait. Whatever companies that you're working for, believe me, if you are non-existent, next week they will find somebody. Okay? Who will not, and, and for all you know, your boyfriends and your spouses can also find somebody. Who will not find is you yourself. So I would say that start with you and start looking at the various aspects of your life. And as I said, the, the framework that I use is that five aspects of well-being. So start with, you know, looking at, um, uh, you know, your health, your fitness. You can start from your career design, your financial independence. And, and from there, you can go ahead. Believe me, when these things are set, everything else will get set for us. It seems to work that way. So I would start from, from the person and then go ahead and use the same principles. I keep saying that there is no work life, right? There is life and there's everything inside it, including your work, right? So you go ahead and put yourself into that and see what can be done. So my best you know, the advice that I have uh, garnered over a period is being operating at your max potential every day should be the only thing that you should look forward because we don't know how tomorrow is going to be. The only choice we can take is how we are going to operate today. So you, that is your locus of control, your time, your potential, your choices, you. And sorry, I'm <laughs> self-care comes first. No, absolutely. I think something we should all imbibe by as well. Um, Desitri had a question with regards to, uh, you know, designing to your consumers. Uh, Desitri, would you like to unmute yourself and ask uh, your question? Hi, am I audible? Yes. Okay. Uh, insightful session, um, by the way. Um, my question is about someone who does not have a design background. Um, how do you design um, your, let's say, a media portal for your consumers? How do you get them? How do you attract your consumers? How do you um, understand their mindset? And how do you design a product which is basically a social media portal? How do you get that? How do you do that? Fantastic. So go back to our two circles and ask the question, who is the customer, right? Who is consuming it? and most importantly, what is the needs and wants, the desirability of this person? And you start from there. And if you really look at it, I mean, it's true that design is a lot of common sense, just that it is not very common, right? So when we start looking at it from a commonsensical point of view, ask these brilliant questions, who is my customer? What is, what is the desire? 
and how can I fulfill them, then naturally you will start influencing how that portal is going to really display information. So I would definitely start there. I'll give you a simple example. Um, so if you really look at Google, the way when you search something, it'll give you some pictures. But if you go to Pinterest, it'll give you a completely different type of pictures. And let's say you are looking for a sofa in Google and a sofa in Pinterest. In Google, it is all about you will buy that one sofa because you are coming with that mindset to shop, right? But whereas when you go to Pinterest, it is all about I'm going to design my home. So I'm looking for an inspiration, right? So both are sofas, but the way you look at it is completely different. So I would say, understand why, where does this person come from? And based on that, go ahead and make your design choices. You will 90% of the time, you will not be wrong. You'll be absolutely uh, spot on. And the, if I can add to that, um, designers don't know everything by the by, yeah? We only have the creative confidence that we will you know, pull through things that we don't know. We are okay with ambiguity, but the answers, like everybody else, we have no clue. So the first thing that you can do is make a guess, make an educated guess based on whatever you know, and just go check it if this is working. If it is working, great. If it is not working, then change it. So you guess, you check, you guess, you check. So this is the, the, the loop that we keep going through. A hypothesis, validation, evidence, and you keep repeating it in such a way that it will help you to make decisions faster. I, I hope that helps you. Uh, it does. Thank you. Thank you very much. Sure. Kathy, we also have a bunch of uh, you know members who are starting up, who founded their own company, and a question that came along a lot was, uh, you know, how you use business design in solving the problem, especially when you're starting up and you're trying to come up with a product or a solution. How do you kind of implement that in uh, your startup, so to say? Something that right. I think even Aditi is asked over here. Okay, so business design is a very interesting thing. Look at your customer. Go back to the same two circles. Go and look at this, this human and look at the market they are seeing through their eyes, right? When I go and look for entertainment, I have free, I have paid, I have subscription, I have everything, right? If I, if I need to watch a series, if I need to watch a film, if I need to watch porn, completely different options, right? So go ahead and look at their needs and wants and what the market is presenting to them. Always ask this question, how am I going to stand out? What is the unfair advantage I'm going to bring to my customer that all these brilliant people in the market are not able to? A lot of times people uh, kind of get very happy that nobody else is solving this problem, I'm the first one. I will get very worried if you are the first one solving that problem, which means that they have all thought through it and somewhere something is not working, that's why it's not there. So if it is a saturated market, it means if it has too many players, then go ahead and see what are the things that they are not solving. So for example, Experian, we went ahead and looked at all the design schools. Everybody talked about design thinking from two days to uh, you know, kind of four weeks, and, but nobody talked about industry readiness. So the unfair advantage I had is, I have designed 250 products. I have worked for like 
two decades. And I can bring all these case studies and make them industry ready. This is something, unless until Karthi is dead and replaced, that's not going to change. So look for what is your unfair advantage in that crowded market that you're seeing. And is that attracting your customer? I will always start from there when it comes to business design. Do not look for um, you know, brilliant ideas. Uh, I, I used to make this and my team made it as a poster. Hold the problem space tightly, okay? And hold your solutions loosely which means it will give you flexibility to change your solutions, but you're solving that problem. Experian forever will solve self-taught designers, industry readiness, and that's the only space it will. But how it is going to solve, it might keep evolving. So I hope this gives you a way for you to go and look at your competitors with a new love because they have done all the validation for you. I love my competition. In fact, I keep telling them that you are my <laughs> partners in crime, right? Because we are, we both are trying to solve the same problem. And isn't that awesome, right? Did that help? I hope so. Aditya, I hope that answers your question as well. Um, we've also heard a lot about this term that's been spoken largely of late called the imposter syndrome. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> we want to ask you this question how do you deal with imposter syndrome especially when it comes to your design uh, a huge part of it that I think a lot of people face right so uh, as somebody who comes from the world of neuroscience and behavioral science and cognitive science you must have an imposter syndrome okay it is by design if you don't have a deficit, your brain will not be excited to go and look for fulfilling it. Your learning, your curiosity comes from not knowing, right? Your ignorance and your ineptitude is a greatest fallacy that is there, which actually helps you to move forward. So if you have imposter syndrome, awesome. You must have one. Why? Because it is so easy for you. It can't be so easy, right? And you will go ahead and figure out things that are, you know, a little more difficult. So the more challenges you solve, you, your mastery level increases. And anyway, when you become a master, you will be rooted in ignorance. <laughs> and if I, if I may, you know, ask you to imagine, let us say that you're going to study for another 20 years, okay? And tell me if your, let us say, let's take a diameter of a circle of one centimeter in, in, a, in a set theory, right? If this one centimeter in next two decades, tell me how much will it increase? Probably two centimeter, a small set became a little big set. How many things that you don't know when you hit the grave? Huge, right? Always huge. So, Anyway, you're going to die missing out. What is the fear of missing out there? You know, anyway, you, you will not know everything. So that's, that's what you become when you are knowing more about a subject and you will start feeling, oh my God, there are so many things unknown and people are already calling me experts. So you will start squirming and that's a good thing. Behaviorally, that's a good thing. Treat it as a positive way of you becoming an expert because that's when you will get imposter syndrome. So all these, all these distortions and fallacies, it's kind of painted as if it's a wrong thing. No, 
this will help you to move forward. It'll help you to learn. It'll challenge you. It'll make you look forward to life. If you knew everything, tell me, would you be very excited waking up tomorrow morning? No way. So it's good to be ignorant. Just wear it on your sleeves and say, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything. <laughs> I'm just figuring it out. I'm just fooling around. <laughs> That's a good thing to do. <laughs> Does that help you? Absolutely. I love that uh, response. I see a lot of members smiling here as well. Um, Swati, you had a question on uh, design thinking in products. Would you like to unmute yourself and ask that? Uh, yeah, I think uh, this question was asked earlier already. So uh, what I was trying to understand was, are there any good examples of design thinking in products? And more so, how can I internalize, like you told that understanding who's the customer, what's his need and want, what option does he have, et cetera, et cetera. I just wanted to understand how to internalize this thinking always when we are thinking of products. Yeah. It doesn't come first principle to me at least. So I just want to build that behavior. Not to anybody, right? The problem with human beings is we are the art and we are the artist, right? right? We do it. And then we talk about ourselves. It's very hard. So it's like the fish in the water looking for where is ocean. That's exactly what we go through. So it's hard to imbibe thinking about human first because that's not how we think other things. So human centricity, um, and also there is this, this view in the world that uh, if you think about yourself, it's, it's selfish and it's wrong, right? We, we go through that. If, if we don't care, take care of something, we feel guilty about it. So these are all things that as actually, societally it has come to us, but in all honesty, biologically, this doesn't matter to our brain, honestly. So it would be great to go ahead and ask, who are the stakeholders in this context? Who are the people involved? Who is my customer? Who is my boss? Who is my stakeholder? Who you know, benefits because I do this? What am I getting? Where is my career going? Ask all these questions. Look at all the human beings involved in that context and you will be able to figure out exactly where to go. Because your boss might say that, put the dark pattern man, don't allow them to uninstall. Why? That's how he's going to get money from the investor. Okay, so we are not taking moral ethical grounds here. We are just saying that, okay, I see why you're saying. Do I want to be a part of it? That's a choice you take. Tomorrow morning, you can go and give a resignation or shut up and say, here is a dark pattern, beautiful button, which is kept hidden and your user cannot uninstall. Fair enough. That's a choice that we take, Shwati. So go ahead, think about this human being. The beauty of human is it, they are so simple, right? Only three things I shared with you today. But just think about the context. They will keep changing. They're very dynamic. The context is dynamic for a human being, which means, for example, think about this simple thing, right? Let's say that you are sitting in this classroom and you really want to use the washroom, right? Your urgency is very high. And if you are in a live class, you can't, you don't want to, you know, get up and go. But the minute you use the washroom and come back, what happened to that urge of going to the washroom? Gone. Which means the context 10 minutes ago and the context 10 minutes after is completely different. So just look at what is that context that they are living in. So the minute you start looking at this, you will start understanding their behaviors deeply. And this is why they say, follow the money, because 
typically they're going behind the money. Is, is that making sense? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. No problem. Kathy, uh, we got another question was that, you know, when you're talking about design and we're talking about products in general, we talk a lot, lot about redesigning and rethinking um, our, our entire ideology regarding something, right? right. Uh, so when is the right time to redesign or is it something that you continuously do throughout? Uh, so if you can keep design, you know, the way you think about design very close to nature, right? It keeps evolving. And it's a very important thing that, you know, we need to keep doing because evolution is a way of making things better and better. So I, I call it as betterment. So betterment cannot happen like, you know, once in a quarter or once in a year. No, betterment should happen every day. So as a designer, you keep thinking about it, probably for you to align all the resources, the timelines and, you know, money and everything else. Maybe that needs a little bit of planning. I call them as TRS, right? Timeline, resource and scope. And you, your thinking cannot stop. Just the doing can be um, you know, put into a schedule. In that sense, it should be continuous. It should be like evolution. So go ahead and keep thinking about what can I do better. So keep taking notes. I journal every day and just jot down everything because your thoughts, you will not remember what you thought yesterday. And that's the problem with our brain because it's a amazing processing machine. It's a lousy storage machine. So try and keep the storage separately and keep the processing on. The, the magnificence is in processing. So keep jotting down. And then when the time comes, just tell the team that these are all the changes that we have to do. Actually building on the last bit that you mentioned, uh, Karthi, uh, what are some of the mental models that you can help when trying to build a new habit, not only just in your life, but also work? Uh, anything that you have for uh, our members today? Absolutely. Huh. What, uh, what other brilliant question can come to a behavioral scientist? Uh, habits, right? So I want to give two aspects of a habit. A habit is something that is unconscious. That's what it is, right? And a routine is something that you do consciously. So everything is not a habit. For example, writing every day. It's not a habit, it's a routine, okay? But for you uh, waking up every day and doing oil pulling, probably that's a habit, two different things. And why am I distinguishing these two? Because there is consciousness involved and there is unconscious automatic way of doing is, is happening. So if you want to develop a habit, here is a simple way that you can start doing. Go back to biologically speaking, pleasure seeking, pain avoiding, energy efficient creature. That's what you and I are, which means your habit should give more pleasure, less pain, and it should utilize energy very optimally. So what does this mean? If at all you're trying to, let's say you're getting ready for your wedding, it's coming in another four months, right? So don't go and say, I'm going to run a marathon today. No, you can't. So just start wearing your shoes and going out for walk for 10 minutes, which means your progress gives you a tick and that's the motivation. And the motivation gives you progress to wake up tomorrow. So the progress, motivation, progress, motivation, this is a loop that our brain goes through. And because of this, you will be able to stick to that. 
10 minutes will become 15, 15 will become 20, 20 will become 30. And probably you will stop at 45 or 60 minutes. And that's how you should develop a habit. We call the formula for, for behavioral uh, you know, habit forming, forming is B equal to MAT, uh, which is behavior equal to motivation, activity, and trigger, right? So your motivation should be least needed. Activity should be like super easy. And you should just have a trigger. Let's use the same walking example. You're having your walking shoes. That's your trigger. You wake up and you saw it. It's right there out, outside your, your bed, right? So you're able to see the trigger tells you that you should go for a walk. And now you're saying, I'll just go for 15 minutes and come back. Awesome. And it's very easy. I mean, you can think about it. So you don't need motivation. And your activity is small. And then you will do it. So <laughs> my professor, I... I did study persuasive technologies under Dr. B.J. Fogg, and he used to say, floss one tooth a day. I'm like, that's crazy, right? How can you floss one tooth? He's like, if you floss all 32, you are not going to be flossing at all. Just floss one tooth a day. So every day he flosses one, one tooth. And as a result of it, you develop a habit. And over a period of time, you do better. So slowly, I, I, I call this a celebrate the small wins every day. That's how you form habits. You cannot form habits which are very big. Like don't say I'm going to write a book in one month. It's very hard for you, right? So go ahead and say, I'm going to write like 250 words every day. That's what I do. I still cannot gear up my motivation to go ahead and write. I just go ahead and say 250 words, that's it. I count them and just push it out, right? So over a period of time in the last three years, I have written 3 million words and that's, sorry, 300,000 words. And that's awesome. That's equivalent to like four books, right? So go ahead, do that. Thank you so much, Karthi. Uh, I think the last bit was definitely something that we can imbibe with and apply into our daily lives. I hope I'm going to start doing this tomorrow on with itself, rather actually tonight itself. Uh, right. this, also, this also brings us to the end of the session today. Uh, Karthi, like I said, it's been such an interesting and insightful conversation. So many great learnings. Um, I think it was a beautiful presentation to start with and the answers just kept us all hooked for sure. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here. And I think... Uh, we would love to host you again for such a great session. Thank you so much. Next time we'll talk just product design, okay? Definitely. <laughs> Next time I'm not stressed about the length of the presentation because it went so beautifully. I was so hooked with the entire flow for sure. But uh, yeah, know, right. behind the scenes, Meher was like, you have 100 slides, Karthi. Are you <laughs> really going to finish it in 20 minutes? Are you sure? <laughs> I'm like, chill, it's okay. We'll do it. <laughs> I have complete faith now. <laughs> Thank you so much, ladies. It's been such a pleasure and uh, this is the best evening after a long time. So thank you so much for having me and I would love to interact and please, you know, ping me. All my DMs are open. I'm sloppy with calls, but great with texting. So go for it. Awesome. Thank you again, Kathy. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Members, you're all as amazing as ever and we're going to see you at our next Sleep.Club experience very, very soon. We've got a bunch of new experiences live on the app. So go ahead and book your slot and have a great week, all of you. Bye-bye.